Good morning, church. Another day, another opportunity to not only worship God, to not only be a part of God, but to tell others about God. So what a wonderful opportunity. We welcome both visitors and members alike. Thank you for being here today in attendance with us. Let's please go together to God in a word of prayer. Oh, great and gracious Heavenly Father, we, we praise your holy and divine name. Hallowed is your name. We ask, Lord God, your blessings upon us as we worship you. Praying, Lord God, that our worship will and has been pleasing and acceptable in your sight. Asking, O oh God, for your help. And we'll keep our minds focused only on you. Rid from the world. We ask, Lord God, that you will help us remember Jesus, your great son, who died that we might live on that cruel cross of Calvary, who died for us that we might be able this morning to worship you, to partake the Lord's Supper, and to praise your holy and divine name. These things we do ask and pray in that wonderful, magnificent, most awesome, holy and precious name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to be thy will. Amen. This morning, I want us to focus on that great name of Jesus. And you have to admit that there's just something about that name Jesus that it, it just, when it echoes through the world, it, it does a few things. It brings up joy in some people's hearts and in minds. And, and in other people, it brings up anger and frustration. And in some, it, it brings misery and, and some it brings uh, uh, confusion and bewilderment and I mean the name of Jesus is so great it's like our whole world revolves around the great name of Jesus God our God in whom we serve there's there's something something about that name and every day every day the name of God is being spoken or lifted up in some way Right? Everybody's talking about God. It's, it's on the internet, if you will. They, they talk about God and praise and, and prayer and, and worship. Every day, something about God, something about that name is being brought up in the midst of our world, whether it be, as I mentioned earlier, in anger or in frustration. Some folks want to try to disprove God. Some folks are trying to prove God. Folks have good things to say about God. and There's always something about that name. Love God. How about you? Let's go to Genesis chapter 3. And so man who lives for God and with God understands and experiences the blessings of God and gives the credit, the praise, the honor that is due to God, they give it to God instead of keeping it for themselves. So look back at humanity. I want to think about just just for a moment, the first generation of mankind. It did not take long for mankind to realize and to feel the effects of corruption in the world without God. I want you just to imagine for just a moment uh, the day that Adam and Eve were expelled from the garden, what they saw, what they left, what they were seeing and living in and witnessing, and then they go through the gate, and then what they saw there whole new world and in verse 6 the bible says 
when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from it its fruit and ate. She gave also to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin covers. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. The man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. The Lord God among the trees. Something happened. Romans chapter 5. They felt guilt. Right? They felt the sting of separation from God. And when people think, when we, when we hear people say, well, I've lived without God and, and I'm all right. It's only because you never felt or understood what it means to live with God. Right? If you could say, like I remember saying and thinking to myself, I'm all right. Until I got to know Jesus. And then when you get to know Jesus, you realize you've never been all right. <laughs> There's just something about that name. And it was different. And this time God was in the, you know, the voice of God, the cool of the garden, if you will, of the, of the day, and, and, and they hid themselves from God. And they saw themselves differently. First generation. Romans 5, verse 12. The Bible says, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered into the world, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, because all sin. For until the law, sin was in the world. But sin is not imputed where there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam unto Moses, even over those who had not sinned in the likeness of the offense of Adam, who was a type of him who was to come. The first generation, we're going back, to, go to 1 John, please, chapter 3. The first generation, just kind of going back to Adam, they felt the sting of separation from God. Because of their sin, spiritual death was realized. And we've got to realize that today for ourselves and ensure that we are not spiritually dead. And we have to ensure that those whom we know are not spiritually dead. But then there was this second separation that is, is over-encompassing within the spiritual death of Adam and Eve. But they got to see something else outside of the garden in the second generation. 1 John chapter 3, beginning in verse 11. For this is the message which you've heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Not as Cain, who was of the evil one and slew his brother. And for what reason did he slay him? Because his deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. So now that second sting... The first, the spiritual death. And then the second, they got to witness the pain of physical death through murder. What is it like living without Jesus? There's something about that name. Trying to live your life without Jesus. Back to Genesis, please. 
chapter 4. It just brings a life full and filled with speculation, right? I mean, what's right and what's wrong and, and, and wh- how do I do this and, and how do I do that? And we speculate about what's, you know, what, what we now call subjective truth, right? And we live our lives in subjectivism, if you will, without Jesus because there is no objective truth. And we start making things up. Like Lamech. Lamech had things to make up in his own mind. I want to look just for a moment. Just for a moment. At the third generation. And on. In Genesis chapter 3, or 4 rather, verse 25. And Adam had relations with his wife again. She gave birth to a son and named him Seth. For she said, God has appointed me another offspring in the place of Abel. But Cain killed him. And to Seth, to him also a son was born, and he called his name Enosh. Then men began to call on the name of the Lord. I don't fully understand that passage, just to let you know. I want to just grab a thought. The word Enosh... um, it, it, it's kind of interesting how the, the way they try to describe it when you, you know, look at definitions. Um, it's man, but it somehow it encompasses sickness or frailty. I don't understand everything about that particular uh, word, but it, it seems like when you study that word out, that in essence it's saying uh, or speaking to the weakness and frailty of man without God. Right? I mean, who are we? We think we're something, don't we? Until you meet Jesus. Right? And then when you meet Jesus, you realize the desperate need that we have for God. We desperately need God. The world without God is sick. The world in God is sick, but we have God's forgiveness. But we have to make changes in our lives to live for Jesus. To live with God. To to live with objective truth. Our world is just so confusing right now. Verse 19, listen to the confusion. And Lamech took it to himself two wives. The name of the one was Ada, the name of the other, Zillah. So you see how, what happens now? Okay, all of a sudden, now we're making our own rules up, right? So now Lamech has two wives, right? All right. And, and, and he goes on to say, and that Ada gave birth to Jabal, and he was the father of those who dwell in the tents and who have livestock. And his brother's name was Jubal, and he was the father of all those who played the lyre and pipe. And for, as for Zillah, uh, she also gave birth to Tubal Cain, uh, the forger of uh, all implements, bronze and iron, and the sister of Tubal Cain was Naama. And Lamech said to his wives, Ada and Zillah, listen to my voice, you wives of Lamech. Give heed to my speech. For I have killed a man for wounding me, a boy for striking me. If Cain is avenged sevenfold, then Lamech seventy-sevenfold. Now, 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 God didn't say that. But again, when you're living without God, you've got to make up some rules, right? And so man is just confused when we're living without God. And so here's this new rule now that Lamech is going to be, if you will, avenged 77-fold. Man without 
God. Trouble. There's just trouble on the horizon when we live without God. And so here's this subjectivism, if you will, uh, of man living from Genesis chapter 4, chapter 5, and chapter 6, and becoming more and more evil and wicked. They just, they just continue on in wickedness and evil because they're making up their own rules and living as they wish and following the impulses of their own hearts. And it got so bad. We know about the great flood. But there was one man, I want to turn to Genesis uh, chapter 5, there was one man who, who stood opposed to evil, who surrendered to God, who, who debated right and wrong from an objective perspective, asking God and following God, and his name was Enoch. In verse 21 of Genesis chapter 5, the Bible says that Enoch lived 75 years and became the father of Methuselah. And Enoch, then Enoch walked with God 300 and uh, uh, years after he had became the father of Methuselah and he had other sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years. And Enoch walked with God and was not. For God, God took him. You know when the Hebrew writer, I want to turn to the book of Jude, uh, the Hebrew writer says something like, you know, men of whom the world was not worthy. You can think of Enoch. A man of whom the world was not worthy, and God took him. God took him home. And in Jude, it tells us something about, about Enoch. Uh, verse 14, the Bible says, And about these also, Enoch, in the seventh generation from Adam, prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord came with many thousands of his holy ones. And so we know he was a, a prophet of God. The Hebrew writer tells us in chapter 11 and uh, the verses 5, he tells us that Enoch was a preacher of righteousness, a man of God. Hebrews 11 and verse 5, by faith Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God took him up, for he obtained the witness that before his being taken up, he was pleasing to God. And so he's a man who was standing for the Lord. It didn't take long. Genesis 6. For man, as they walked, separate from God and apart from God, it didn't take long before the sins of humanity were so strong and so vulgar and so, so evil that God destroyed the whole world. Verse 5. And the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. You know, that's a description of you and I without God. I mean, what else are you thinking about if you're not thinking about God? I mean, if we're, if we're not with God and in a relationship with God and all we're thinking about is this old world and subjectivism and living the way people want us to. We're just in a mass of confusion. Everybody making up their own rules. It's just something about that name, about the name God. When, when you hear the name God, it just, it, just some, it just it affects us in different ways. And the Lord, the Bible says in verse 6, was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. And the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I created from the face of of the land, 
from man to animals to creeping things and the birds of the sky, for I am sorry that I have made them. And what was going on? It wasn't just the physical activity of the human mind, of the human being, rather, but it was also the human mind and the wicked thoughts. In Genesis 8, in verse 20, uh, the Bible says, Then Noah built an altar to the Lord, this is after the flood, and took of uh, every clean animal and of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And the Lord smelled the soothing aroma, and the Lord said to himself, I will never again curse the ground on account of man, for the intent of man's heart is evil from his youth, and I will never again destroy every living thing as I have done. Wait, what did he say? The intent of man's heart is evil from his youth? Listen, church, we have to ensure that our our, our children and our co-workers and our neighbors and everybody around us and everyone we come in contact with hear the name of God. The name God. That they hear God. Say God. right? Say Jesus. Why don't we say God? Well, you know, serving God. You know, well, God willing. You know, God is good. Say the name of God. There's something about that name that changes the conversation. You ever been in a conversation and people were talking about wicked things and then you bring up God? Well, you know, you know God, and maybe not in judgment, but you just mention the name God. It just makes folks stop for just a moment. But how often do we do that? There's something about that name, Jesus. There's just something about that name. And we have to say, express that name to the world, not just by our living, by our actions, you got to say the name out loud. In verse 22, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, and cold and heat, and summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease. The blessing from the Lord. Do, do you think it's time, Acts chapter 4, please. You think it's time, church, that the world acknowledges the name of Jesus? It's time, isn't it? But here's the thing, they're not going to do it unless we do it first. They, they might not even do it even if we do it. But if we're not doing it, if we're not acknowledging the name of God, if we're not speaking the name of Jesus, why would we expect the world to? Something about that name. Acts 4.12, and there's salvation in no one else. Why wouldn't I want to say that name? There's salvation in no one else, for there is no other name. There's not one. You can't think of one. We can't make one up. There is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. Jesus. Are we speaking that name? The name of of Jesus. And there's something about that name. Even speaking the name of Jesus in the wrong setting can get you into physical trouble in our world. But Jesus said, don't worry about it. Speak the name Jesus. Say the name of God. Don't hold it inside, church. There's just something about that name. 
Matthew chapter 20, 28. God is the only authority who can provide objective truth and salvation. You can't get it anywhere else. Folks are searching for it in all kinds of places. But you can't find it outside of Jesus. Oh, there's something about that name. And God himself says to us in verse 18, Jesus says, he came and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And listen to what he tells the apostles. It translates over to us. Go therefore, or as you go, go therefore, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I command you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. There's something about the name of the Father. There's something about the name of God, and the Holy Spirit, and, and Jesus. There's something about that name. I'm so glad to be a part of Jesus. So happy to be a son of God, to be a child of God, to, be, to stand in the world uncomfortably, right? It's uncomfortable sometimes. It ought to be. The world ought to be uncomfortable because we're strangers and aliens passing through. And sometimes we forget that. But in this uncomfortable place, and sometimes in that uncomfortable spot, remember God and speak His name. God's name tells us of what kind of God He is. I mean, you read the Bible, there's so many names you you know, that you could use for God because it's in the Bible. It's in the Hebrew text and the Greek text. And because those names speak to God, that's why you have to have so many. Just to try to understand God, right? Just to try to speak God's name, to think of God, to think of God's mercy, to think of God's justice, to think of God's righteousness, that he's the alpha, that he's the omega, to think that God is the great shepherd, the chief shepherd, to think that God is, is only our only hope, and he is hope, and he is truth, and he is objectivism, and he is, he's everything. How do you, how do you say that by just saying God? And, and so in wrapping this up, I want you to think about, I want you to think about a few things. Acts 3 and verse 6. I want you to think about the power, the power of saying the, the name Jesus. In the days of the miraculous Peter comes along and he, he finds a, a man who is lame. And in verse 6, uh, Peter said to him, as this guy is begging, I do not possess silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene walk. And the man got up. This is something about that name, you see. In verse 16, in verse 16, and on the basis of faith in his name, it is the name of Jesus which has strengthened this man whom you see and know, and the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect health in the presence of you all. There's just something about that name, the power that it possesses. And then in Acts chapter 10, bringing the gospel to the Gentiles. And in verse 43, authority. Something about the authority of that name. And of him all the prophets bear witness that through his name, everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins. It's that authority that you find in Jesus. 
Not the authority of, of, of anyone else, but the authority of Jesus. First Timothy, please, chapter 2. He is the, the mediator, isn't he? Between God and man. People cry out to God, but you, you cannot cry out to God without a mediator. Right? You cannot cry out to God without the name of Jesus. If you cry out to God without that name, you'll never reach God. First Timothy 5, 2 and verse 5. For he is, there is one God and one mediator, also between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. And, and who is Jesus? Savior. Right? The, the announcement in Matthew chapter 1 the announcement that, that the Savior has come into the world. Matthew 1 and verse 21, the Bible says, And she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for it is he who will save his people from their sins. Yes, you are. Thank you, God. Right. Savior. There's something about when you say Jesus, you're saying power, you're saying authority, you're saying mediator, you're saying savior. There's something about that name. Mark, Mark chapter 16 and, and the verse, the verse is 15. And the savior says, he says to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. He who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved, but he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. There's no other way. Saith the Savior. For God, John 3, please. Verse 16. So loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. And whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And you say, Thank you, God. And I want to carry it all the way to verse 36 and get to the end of the context. He who believes in the Son has eternal life, but he who does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. I want you to think about for just a moment, as we turn to Romans 10, all the people you've come in contact with, and of all those people, I want you to think about the few, the, maybe the many, the, whatever the number is, of people that you've come in contact with who are standing in your presence and standing in the wrath of God because they don't believe in the name of Jesus. The world needs help. We need to call on the name of God. We need to no longer shrink back, hold it within we need to stand up. Right? Not just being an example, church. I mean, thank God for that. But we also have to open our mouths. Right? We've got to speak the name of God. You know what else we have to do? My wife talks to me about this all the time. This is something else you've got to do. When you write the name of God, capitalize it. And when you write the pronoun, he, capitalize it. Distinguish him out. From all else. He's not a God. He's the God. Right? Yes. And something else. Don't speak his name in vain. Right? Oh, and by the way, that's texting too. Even though you're being you're short now. Capitalize it. Don't use his name in vain. Right? 
when it's used in vain, it ought to, it ought to bite you inside. You tell those folks, don't do that. God doesn't like that. Remember, I told a lady that one time I was in the store and I was in line and she said something bad about God. I said, hey, God doesn't like that. And she said, oh, he doesn't? I mean, like she didn't know. Maybe she didn't know. We got to call on the name of God. Church, we've got to call on the name of God. Verse 8. I'm wrapping this up. Now, what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth, and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we are preaching. That if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. But with the heart man believes, resulting in righteousness, and with his mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, abounding in riches for all who call upon him. For whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Oh, thank you, God. But I've got one question for you. What do you say when you call? Right? I mean, you know, you you think about it, you can yell all kinds of names, and, and we can say all kinds of things, but when you're calling on the name of God, Acts 22, what are you going to say to God? What, what's the right verbiage? You know, and some might say, well, you, you say this, and, and others, others might say you, you say that, but I'm going to show you what the Bible says. How does the Bible tell us, command us to call, and is this consistent with what the Savior said in Mark 16 and Matthew 28? Well, listen to what he said. Matthew, uh, excuse me, Acts 22 and verse 16. And now why do you delay? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins. That's how you call. Calling on his name. And so today, you want to start calling God's name? Surrender to him in the waters of baptism. You heard it. You believe it. Are you willing to change your life? Change your mindset? Repent? Are you willing to confess His name? Are you willing to call? The lesson is yours. If we can help in any way, please come while together we stand and sing our song of invitation. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus.